0: Hey there, everybody. I'm Jen Dean, and this is The Gardenia Project, a podcast where women talk about, well, the stuff we don't usually talk about at dinner, though I wish we did. And actually, my close friends, we, we do talk about this stuff. I created a podcast to shine a light on the amazing things that we go through, some of which would be described as trauma, but how those things change us, what we learn from them, and how it helps shape the person that we are today. Not something that I think we should have to hide, And possibly even that we should celebrate. Yeah. Our society loves labels. Let's label everything. Make sure everybody fits into a nice, tidy box. I'm going to admit I love labels too. I think, yeah, it's just the way we figure out how to size somebody up so we know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah, it's safe. Labels can be a bad thing. They're the things that we say in our heads, how we describe people. She's shy. That girl's a partier. She's the smart girl. She's so disorganized. I mean, my friends affectionately refer to me as Lucille Ball because, well, just go watch an old video of her and then we've met. You're welcome. I think it's affectionate. You guys, is it affectionate? Hello? In reality though, seriously, we are so much more complex than just the labels that we put on ourselves or that someone else has put on us. For a long time my guest Sarah had two sides and they were always fighting with each other. There was the one that was painfully shy and then there was a party girl. She felt ashamed of the shy part and inauthentic as the party girl. But what if they weren't just masks but they're actually representations of the complex being Sarah is? Something that she would have to stop feeling shameful about and embrace if she really wanted to grow and be whole.
1: She goes bald, probably complete baldness from, you know, right when she turned one, it probably took a month and a half for this luscious and it was getting long and it was so cute and gone. Eyelashes gone, eyebrows gone. So just like me and I'm like, ugh, because that brings up, obviously, guilt that I did that to her. Which, genetically, probably did. But I was like, oh, she's going to live her life, and it's going to be awful. And I think it hit me harder. Because I was projecting, obviously, my experience, but I was thinking it was going to be ten times worse for her. So.
0: Sarah thought she'd put her old life behind her. But this was a really big reminder. Her daughter's issues brought her back to being a kid and to high school I mean, that's a place that most of us don't want to be brought back to at any age, but especially not for Sarah. Let's start from the beginning.
1: I was adopted at six weeks old. I was born in Calcutta, India. So I was born in the most poverty-stricken city in the entire world. In
0: 1981, the city of Calcutta had a population of over nine million people. And The Guardian reported that in 2008, the orphanages of India's southernmost state were dominated by female children. These were abandoned by their parents or rescued from the streets because they were victims of a male-based culture. Statistics have revealed that over the past 20 years in India, as many as 10 million girls have been killed by their parents, either before or immediately after they were born. Many of those who do manage to survive are destined to spend some or all of their lives in institutions. Coming out of this abject poverty and abandonment into the abundant world of the United States, meant that Sarah's whole life would play out differently than if she had just stayed in India.
1: Meanwhile, in Maine, my adoptive parents had decided to adopt a baby. They both independently of each other had started having visions about adopting a girl specifically named Sarah from India. So they, you know, it's not usually something you tell one another, but eventually it came up.
0: So in theory, she's going to get to live this beautiful life after being saved from being an orphan in India. Things often don't play out the way you expect. What happened next was baffling to everybody. Sarah describes how at 18 months, she loses her hair, all of it, everywhere on her body. She develops alopecia.
1: I mean, I was born with a full head of jet black hair, and at 18 months, it like it all disappeared. Eyebrows, eyelashes, everything. So, I mean, maybe not so weird for a baby to be walled, but that lasted for a really long time. I did notice, uh, according to my mother, the baldness, so I'd hide under my crib. So even at that very young age, I had developed self-awareness around the issue of my hair and albichia.
0: Sarah remembers a lot of little stories that shaped this time in her life. How she would hide under her desk in kindergarten. She'd gotten a wig, which they called the Oprah wig, since that's what the hair looked like. And then she would take the wig off for everybody to play with. And, you know, it was kind of okay because the other kids just saw it as a game. And they were curious about it. There was one really cool story, though. The one that gets what she describes as woo-woo. Her grandfather was on his deathbed when Sarah was about seven years old. And he placed his hand on her and he gave her a blessing. And he said that her hair would grow back. Right after that, it did start to grow back. So it's growing back, but it takes a long time. And after about a year, her head is covered, but it's super short hair. She's stopped wearing the wig at this point because you know, it's a wig and it's hot and it's uncomfortable and she looks like an eight-year-old Oprah. She's really self-conscious though, as she describes how she keeps being mistaken for a boy. And it's here that she talks about really feeling the big loss of self-confidence and about how she gave her power away.
1: You know, must've been 11, 12, really young. Uh, teens. We were at a roller rink, roller skating. Um they, they would have like a girls only part where all the girls roller skated and I went out there having a blast and they like booted me. They said you need to leave because you're a boy <laughs> I was like, I'm I'm not a boy, I'm a girl and I, I think they did let me stay after that and probably felt really terrible about it. But that memory just stuck with me. And then at that same incident, that same place, you know, I went to go use the girls' room. It actually happened quite a few times where I'd go use the girls' room together the restroom, and I would, they would try to kick me out You I was a boy. So that stuff will stay with you.
0: As you can imagine, Sarah really wants to fit in, and so she has some big self-esteem problems. She desperately wants people to like her. Over time, she starts to feel comfortable with the alopecia, and it's getting better, though she still has some issues with it. And right about the time she starts college is when... Vitiligo comes. Now, vitiligo is a disease that causes the loss of skin color in blotches. It's described as unpredictable and it can affect any part of the skin on your body. There's no cure for vitiligo. Sometimes patches go away on their own and doctors can prescribe treatments that might help, but really there's no 100% effective medicine for making the spots disappear altogether. So yeah, if this were me, I don't know what I would have done But Sarah found a way to connect through partying, and she got dubbed Social Sarah.
1: Social, in fact, that I would go party, because I think that's the only way I fit in. So Social Sarah, but it was, that was not my personality. It was just the only way I could come out of my shell was through that, you know, at the party at the moment. Other than that, I, you know, I spent a lot of, of time alone. And I think a lot of it was just not feeling accepted or feeling like I had. Know a really close group of friends.
0: Her friends knew her as fun party girl Sarah on the weekend, but she said during the week she couldn't even order food if she had to call the takeout place.
1: Even to this day, my husband makes me do it because he thinks it's funny to be like, No, you're gonna call and you're gonna order the Chinese food over the phone. I'm like, No, maybe I just want to eat. If I can't order online, I'll just let's just not. just had you no know, such aversion
0: talking to people that much. She also says that she did form bonds and friendships, but it was a really small circle at this point. After college, she worked a few nine to five jobs and then ended up in credit card processing, customer service and sales, but managed to get into the background to the reporting side of things so that she didn't have to be on the phone and speaking to clients. She handled merchant accounts for the life coaching and speaker field, but her clients, were the big hitters in the coaching industry.
1: I watched them start from nothing, and within three years, I watched people, you know, become, you know, two, three you know, million dollar businesses. Um, so I really took that all in, and I was like, okay, because we all have these paradigms and these thoughts, you know, that we struggle. We just work to live, and you know, our whole lives are to just struggle to death, <laughs> like just get through as unscathed as we can. don't think that's right. So it opened my eyes and I think that was very telling of my future.
0: She spent the next few years watching and listening. She had the opportunity to talk to these people on the phone but she was so shy that she chose to let other people do that part and stay in the background. She stayed the quiet, shy, introverted part of herself and observed everything.
1: I do kick myself because I could have been on the phone building relationships with them. That could help me professionally later on in life. But I opted to step back, let someone else talk to them on the phone. So the phone. you had
0: the opportunity to actually speak to them on the phone about yeah. these financial pieces.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But you opted to stay in the background. Yeah. I wondered
1: what you meant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So to this day, I'm like why I I could be calling up some really big people right now. I was able to kind of even see their products and courses, go to their events for free. So I just took it all in. I mean, this was almost 10 years of just absorbing all this personal development, all this like almost like free life coaching and business coaching.
0: She described herself to me as the worker bee who had great attention to detail and she ended up in a management position. She worked really late nights because she felt like she had to be the hardest worker and she was just living out the grind, that one where you grind yourself to death mentally. She felt like she had learned this from society, that to be successful, that's what you had to do. But finally, there was a big shift. First, she met her husband. while She was out partying.
1: So here I was in a really strong, fulfilling, not without its challenges, relationship, my really first one ever. Um, I was still in corporate America, so I was still doing the whole work thing and then marriage thing. And it just already at that point seemed like the job piece wasn't
0: fitting in. She has this close relationship with her husband that she loves. Her alopecia is under better control through what she describes as the crunchy root. You know, good food, a healthy lifestyle, though the vitiligo is still holding on strongly. And then she also starts thinking about kids. Though she admits she's a little uncertain about that part.
1: You know, the children thing had never really been a consideration, not until like very, just a couple of years ago, like right pretty much right before she was born. <laughs> even then, I was still like, oh, am I really gonna have a kid? I'm not gonna handle this. Because kids, I mean, how am I gonna raise a child if I've had these issues and expect that child to be able to be their own power in the world? Like that freaked me out to even have that pressure of raising a good human being. Um, and even keeping it safe. I was like, I don't know if I can even keep a child alive. I mean, what scared me the most, honestly, was, oh, my God, I'm going to have to, like, go hang out with other moms. And that, scared, that still scares me to, like, be in an awkward mom group.
0: I love I think, this real stuff because that's what we all think, but yeah, no one says no, out loud. I, I was
1: scared to death. I mean, I remember <laughs> I had just found out I was pregnant. Our friends had come over with their child, with their baby. They reached up for me to pick them up. And my husband said that I just looked at this child and didn't know what to do. Like, I froze. Like, a normal human being would have been like, oh, this cute kid wants me to pick it up. I just, he said I stared at the child, at the kid, and then I pointed to someone else that the kid wanted to be picked up. So, I mean, that's where my maternal instincts were at
0: that point. Like, I don't think that's for me. The identity of motherhood really sunk in when she was holding the baby in the hospital. I can definitely relate to that. (laughs) Nothing prepares you for the reality of, you know, being in charge of a human until you're in charge of a human. So then we end up back at the beginning of the podcast and her daughter gets alopecia and she's freaking out. And she's feeling really ashamed that she, of course, feels like it's her fault because she genetically passed this on to her daughter. And at this point, it's sort of where the two sides of her come out together. Because this time they aren't fighting. There's a shy girl who has observed and knows how to do her research. And then the party girl who decides to take charge and she's going to figure out how to solve this problem. She's not at the whim of the world anymore. She's starting to really take control.
1: I had gotten a recommendation to a naturopath and when start started seeing her, and things just really
0: started to change. Sarah's daughter is now two and a half years old, and she's got almost a full head of hair.
1: Just, you know, just basic remedy of your gut health. So, getting, you know, healthy fats, a probiotic, building up her immune system. She just, in doing that, and a little bit of homeopathic remedy,
0: um, she's been vibrant, barely sick, and has grown her hair back. That's amazing. She realized that she needed to tap into her power and that's what she talks to people about now. This idea that you can actually heal yourself. She focused on her subconscious mind and she absorbed everything that's helped her to heal and then also really helped her to leave her career. It was these two parts of her that helped her solve her daughter's alopecia and that also brought her to that new career.
1: I ended up dropping my 9-to-5 career, like, doing the walkout, the whole thing, um, when I was fed up and starting my own business. Like, I went home that night, I quit my job, and I started building my website after I put the baby to
0: bed. She realizes that we're taught so many limiting beliefs about what we can accomplish in this world. She could see other people doing these things. she had observed it. And she realized that she could do it, too. So she did. She chose a new path. Her career is now coaching. All those years of introverted observing in the coaching world had paid off. She teaches people how to step into their own power, which she did affectionately joke about as a catchphrase. Her career isn't based off the problems she's completely solved, but it's based on the idea that she's still solving them. I I think that sometimes people have this idea that when you hire somebody who is a coach of any capacity, or a therapist, that they're sort of, um, you know, completely whole Mm -hmm. and healed. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the older you get, the more you realize that that's absolutely not the case. You know, your biggest struggle
1: that you can even, even if you're still working through it, you can still help others. So it's, you know, those hard things that you go through, that's where you develop your own lessons. And that's where you can also help other people with those struggles as well. You know, we're not whole, we're not perfect, we haven't got it all figured out. I mean, the first thing from that, it's sharing the journey and what helped us progress and continually progress.
0: Sarah has learned to live with both sides of herself. She talked about how she likes to travel, how she goes to retreats to learn from others, but also to just spend time alone because, yeah, she really still likes to be alone. And on the other side, she is in the coaching world where she is social, She helps other people to learn the same lessons that she has learned.
1: Just reprogramming my brain, reprogramming my subconscious mind, taking my old belief systems, analyzing them, and wiping them out. That's probably the biggest thing that you can do and that I've done. And that's shifted everything.
0: What advice would you give somebody who is in a similar position, who may have alopecia or vitiligo, and just... Really, be lacking in confidence and struggling with feeling like they don't have friends, and you know it's hard to just magically gain confidence.
1: I know it's probably a really hard thing to tell teenager or anyone young. You don't have to. You don't have to be the effect from the world. You are a cause for how you feel, how you function. You're a cause for where you go in life. Shitty things are going to happen, but you don't have to react and react with anger. I mean, you. Are in full control, so you are in control of how you feel. It's just owning yourself, and owning your power. So if there is a way to just impression that upon people, even at a young age, like I just really, really want to, you know, to help that, help that cause, because it changes your life when you just stop looking outward for acceptance and you look inward.
0: We all have a choice in how our life plays out, even if we're adopted because our parents had visions. I mean, for Sarah there was this pressure to lead a magical life always lurking in her subconscious. And she talked to me about that pressure. What she learned is that we all have a purpose and it's okay to take our time to figure out what that is. That we keep learning what it is pretty much our whole life and that along the way, there will be these things that test you, that are really hard. And for everyone, those things are different. And those are the trials that shape us, that give us choices and lessons. And it's up to us to decide how they play out. So yeah, Sarah is still a quiet and shy girl on one side and the party girl's another side and her vitiligo and alopecia, that'll add some other labels in there too. But in the end, if we learn to embrace who we are, all of our sides, all of ourselves, well, that's what makes us whole and complex. And I like to think magic as well. A huge thank you goes out for the music to Blue Dot Sessions and Keith Kenneth of Unseen Music. And of course, the, my fabulous producer, Stephanie Cohn. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so on Patreon. You know, you could like, buy me a cup of coffee every month for like two bucks. And it would go directly toward helping me pay for the podcast. You can also advertise with us. You can head over to my website, jendeanphotography.com and click on the Gardinia project and send me an email. Let me know that you'd like to have me produce an advertisement where I tell people all about your fabulous business. Until next time, bye.